Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. So let's stand, hold our Bibles up, iPhones, iPads. I, I say this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 15. Um, we're going to be, this is the last uh, sermon in the series on Captivated. And every one of us in here today is captivated by something or someone. In other words, there's something in our lives that we wish that we could either uh, possess, attract, uh, grab hold of. We all have something. Now, for some, that may be hidden deep in your heart and that, that nobody knows about it. Maybe you have not acted on it. But in all of our lives, we were born with purpose. The devil's number one goal is to rob us of that purpose, to cloud our vision for that purpose, to keep us from that purpose. If the thief can steal your, your purpose for being here on earth, it will affect a lot of people. It's so important that we keep our focus and our eyes on our destiny and our purpose. But there are many things today that distract us, many opportunities. And matter of fact, in a world where there's Wikipedia and there are all these different opportunities, they pop up this quick. You, you, can, you can access anything in just seconds. And, and not every opportunity is from God. And so rather than looking for opportunity... Look deep in your heart and find the purpose of God and pursue that purpose. Uh, there will always be opportunities or things that appear as though they're opportunities. But as I told you before, when we were looking for a place two years ago, a little over two years ago, to start Mosaic Church, I would get up every morning and I would pray, God, give us a place. Give us a place. And one day I felt the Holy Spirit correct me and said, asking me for a place and start asking me for the place <laughs> you have a the place in your life and that don't just look around say god i'm focused and i'm looking for the place the job the person the spouse the house i'm looking for that which you have ordained god and i'm going to keep my eyes on that because all, there will be uh, all kinds of opportunities that come our way, and we will miss some of those by, by moving toward those opportunities. But if we will go to the throne of God and stay in the presence of God, we'll find ourselves in the place of God. So in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 15, there's a guy mentioned in the Bible just like right here, this one time. His name is Ittai. And... Uh, Ittai was captivated, and today I'm going to show you why he was captivated and how he followed and pursued what God had put in him and before him. And it says, a messenger came and told David, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. 
Now, if you've studied any of the Bible, you know that Absalom is a, a handsome young man, and he's David's son, which meant that Absalom actually was royalty. He would be in line for the throne. But Absalom became impatient, and he wanted the kingdom before it was time to have the kingdom. And as a result of that, all of the distractions and all the things around him led him to believe that now was his time. His dad's losing it. He's getting older. And Absalom, after all, is, is good looking. And he's got, as you read the Bible, we know he has thick hair because when he ultimately died, he was hanging from branches with that hair. And, and I'm not of the lineage of Absalom, obviously. I know. I'm thinking about shaving the whole head someday. Don't do it. Okay. Is that you, Rick? Okay, I, I won't because you asked me not to. Love you. Okay. I have too many dips and bumps up there anyway from getting hit on my head with my daddy's ring. You used to be able to do that. Now you go to jail. Anyway, so Absalom tries to advance his own purpose, not God's purpose. And, and so as a result, David, who was the appointed king, the anointed king, rather than fighting with his son, decided to flee the kingdom. How many of you know when it's your kingdom, you don't have to fight for your kingdom, it's your kingdom. And so David said, you know what, I'm just going to take the, I'm just going to, I'm just going to step aside for a minute. I'm going to let God deal with this. And so then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin upon us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, your servants are ready to do whatever the Lord, the king, chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. In other words, he's planning on coming back. He's planning on coming back, but he's not going to stay there and put everybody's life at risk because of a man like Absalom who decided it wasn't his kingdom, or at least it wasn't his kingdom yet, but he wanted it now. And David said, you know what? I'm not fighting over what God gave me. I'm anointed. I'm appointed. This is my kingdom. But you know what, Absalom? If you think this is yours, go ahead and step in. Let's see what happens. You see, sometimes we get distracted fighting fights that are not ours to fight. They're, they're God's to fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. And if we'll trust him, in a moment you'll see this, if we'll trust him and walk in his presence and walk in honor, God will always put us in the place that we belong. But we live in a society in America that is very unique. I, I mean, I've traveled the world. I was in Ukraine. I, I've been to Africa, China. You know, I've been all over the world and preached all over the world. And in most cultures, what I have seen is a tremendous amount of honor, whereas in America... We're always about taking the shortcut. I want it, and I want it now. And so I'll do whatever I need to do to get it. That's not the way a lot of cultures are. But we have created this capitalistic, independent, and I love it, don't get me wrong, society, but it's overboard where honor is no longer honor. We don't see anybody honoring. Kids don't honor their mom and dad anymore. Uh, good Christian people don't honor the office of president anymore. And let me just say this. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian. Whoever is in office at any point in time, we are to honor the office. Amen. And I want you to hear this because I, I, it, it gives Christianity such a bad name 
when we dishonor people in authority. If you look in the book of Romans, God puts people in authority. Now, you may not like it. I may not like it. I can promise you half this church is in disagreement if we were to talk about it. Now, stop. It's love that we talk about. It's grace that we talk about. It's honor that we talk about. It's love that we walk. Let's not be mean. Mean is never going to win the world. Mean is never going to attract anyone. Let's just love each other. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Be kind. Okay, thank you. God bless America. I just get, I get so upset with Christians arguing with Christians. It's just, it bothers me. Now, that's not in my notes, so let's get back to this. Somebody needed to hear that. You're going to be free now. You might be mad at me at lunch, but you're going to be free tonight. And so it goes like this. It says, the king's official answer, your servants are ready to do whatever the Lord King chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at a place some distance away. All his men marched past him, along with all the Carathites and Pelathites and all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us, go back and stay with King Absalom? You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland, and you came only yesterday. Well, here's the point. He's a foreigner. David acknowledges. Now, my question to David, and I'll answer this in just a moment. When I was first studying this, I'm like, I wonder how David knew his name. You have 600 Gittites. How was he set apart so much so that the king of Israel would know a person from Gath's name, a Gittite? And I believe it was all about honor. I believe that it was about first honoring God that Ittai had found that I need to honor the God of Israel. And if you read the Old Testament, you can see wherever the Ark of the Covenant went, the presence of God was there. And I think that, that Ittai had seen or experienced the presence of God that came with the Ark of God and that he thought to himself, if God has anointed David king, then that's how come they call him Lord is because they saw that anybody that was king was only king by the appointment of the Lord. And if you read the Old Testament, you'll find that there were some evil kings. But they were still the king. And Ittai, somehow, outside of Jerusalem, Absalom, David's own son, did not respect and honor him. And yet Ittai, the Gittite, who had been there one day, finds himself in the middle. I mean, some of y'all been to a friend's house and you walked in at the wrong time when there was a family feud going on. And it's like, oh, I think I need to go. <laughs> you didn't mean to walk in on that. You know what I'm saying? Ittai's going, I didn't mean to walk in on this, but I know that the presence of God is on the man of God. And that means there's the power of God. And I'm staying with the anointing of God and the anointed of God because that's where God's going to be. And so we flee, we get distracted, we ask the wrong people, we have, hear the voices around us that overpower the voice within us, and Ittai refused to be overpowered with any voice other than what he had seen in the presence of God. We'll get to that in just a moment. And it says, here's how he responds. Uh, he says, and today shall I make you, David says, and today shall I make you wander with us when I do not know where I'm going. Go back. Take your countrymen and may kindness and faithfulness be with you. The king had just released him. And most people in the midst of a conflict like this where they knew it could get ugly would have departed. 
But Ittai thought to himself, I've seen what God can do. And I'm going to put my faith and trust in God. And I'm going to follow the man of God that God appointed king. That's who I'm going to follow. And it says, But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will be your servant. David said to Ittai, Well, go ahead. Go on. So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. Now, it's interesting because there are 600 people that are looking to Ittai. Ittai's looking to David. David's looking to God. And they begin to move away from the conflict that was created by Absalom, who had privately and secretly lied to the people uh, in Israel, in Jerusalem, and, and talking about his own father so much so that he manipulated their voice or their, 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 their following to him. And so there's this short season where David's going, you know, the battle belongs to God. I didn't ask to be king, but God made me king. They, God made sure that Samuel found me. I was out in the field. My own father tried to keep me from being king. But you know what? Whatever you're supposed to be, if you'll follow God, you're going to be that. But if you listen to the voices of man or you try to pursue something that's convenient, you'll be sorry that you did. And there's this, there are these steps that we have to take to get from where we are to where we want to be. And the very first and most important thing is staying in the presence of God. Is not living outside the presence of God. Because inside the presence of God is the power of God and the purpose of God. And you say, well, how do I live outside the presence? By listening to all the other voices. Somehow, Ittai was able to discern the right voice and the right spirit. As a result of that, he decided, I'm going to stay with who God appointed and who God anointed. <clears throat> and so we see that because of that, because most of us want position, and we, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We, we want the promise of God. We want to be in the position of God. But there are steps to take to get there. You know, I, uh, I got saved in 1977, and... And uh, it wasn't long after that that I really felt like God wanted me to tell my story. I didn't know at the time he wanted me to be a preacher. But uh, there were two old saints in the church. Uh, and you know, I didn't know much about prophecy. But one of them came up to me one day at a youth camp I was uh, at. I was just a youth counselor. I was just trying to help. I, I didn't know anything about much about God. I was just born again and wanted to do something for God. And she came up and prophesied that I would be doing what I'm doing today. And I'm looking at her and I'm going, man, there ain't no way that's happening. You know, there's no way that's happening. You know, I, 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 had no, I had no Bible training. I graduated from high school. I was in the 20% of the class that made the upper 80% possible. And uh, <laughs> so I knew that I wasn't, you know, really set up for this kind of thing. But what happened was when God spoke those words, they, they landed in me. And then another lady from another city said the same thing. And all of a sudden, I realized that God needed to use somebody to tell me what my purpose was because I didn't even know I had a purpose and what my destiny was all about. I didn't even know I had a destiny. But what happened was the presence of God came on me when those prophetic words came to me. And uh, I had to just walk in those presence, in the presence of God, to finally get to a place where I could be here today after God called me back to college. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to go to school to be a preacher, but you know what? I needed to. I needed to learn what I was talking about. And so some of the stuff I'm talking to you about today, I would have never known. You know, when, when I got saved, I just thought the Bible was all the God, rules of God, and if you didn't live by them, you are going to get crushed. 
because God was a mean God. And I thought, well, he should be. He created everything, and we're messed up. Why not spank us to death? That was my understanding of God. I just didn't want to go to hell. And so when I went to school and I began to study, I realized the Bible is so much more than that. It's theological. It's historical. It's cultural. You, why do you not wear headdresses anymore, women? Because it was a cultural thing. It was not a theological thing. It wasn't a heaven or hell or an eternal thing. And so we always, you know, so I'm thinking we read the Bible one way. Well, I began to expand my understanding of the Bible. So it, it took me from presence to, to the process to the position to get where I'm at. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to get on an airplane with a guy who just wants to fly a plane. It's always been his dream, but he's not going to learn. You know, I've always wanted to be a pilot. Here are your wings. Go pilot. I'm not flying with him without him going through the process of learning what it takes to be a pilot. And so it's important that we understand that, yeah, the position's out here, the, the destiny's out here, but there is a process that we go through to get there. So let's, uh, let's look at, first off, the presence of God. Now, I asked the question when I first read this. My question was... How did David know Ittai, and how did Ittai know David, and how did Ittai know to follow David? Well, turn your Bibles to Second Samuel, Samuel chapter 6, and uh, this is a preface. When I read the, the, the first passage to you, the first day I read it, I was really intrigued by the story, but I thought, now why did this happen? So I, I start studying, and I go back to 2 Samuel 6, and verse 5, it says, David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with songs and with harps and lyres and tambourines and sistrums and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of the irreverent act. You say, hold on, what's the irreverent act? God told Israel very specific instructions as to how they were carry, to carry the ark of God. To every dimension of how it was to be built, how long the poles were supposed to be that slid through the, the uh, hoops in the ark. How, I mean, right down to the detail and for the purpose of Israel carrying the ark of God on their shoulders. Many people don't realize you, the ark was to never be put on a cart and it was never to be pulled by oxen. It was to be carried by man. Is symbolic of the presence of God today. God doesn't put his presence on something. He puts his presence on us. We're to carry the Holy Spirit. The ark in the Old Testament was a type of the Holy Spirit. That's where the presence of God was. So they're putting it on an ark. What's, what are they doing? They're getting lazy. How many times do we get lazy with the presence of God? We're carriers of the presence of God. We push it off. You know, I'll talk to God tomorrow about it. Or I'll talk to God about certain things. But I'm not talking to God about everything. Because I got my own life, I got my own agenda. And in this moment, they're happy that they've got the ark of God, but they're not carrying it as they were called to carry it. So in this moment, Uzzah dies. Now you, you know, some people say, well, that's just a cruel act of God. It's a consequence of what happens when we, something wrong. God does not, does not do bad things. But the consequences of our disobedience often bear fruit of difficulty. Okay? So that's what's happening here. And it goes on to say... Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. 
Now all of a sudden I'm seeing the tie in here. Uh, Ittai is a Gittite, Obed-Edom, so I'm just going to call him Uncle Obed for a moment. That this was Ittai had to have known about him. And the Ark of the Covenant, David gets mad at God. Can I tell you all something? Don't get mad at God. I mean, you can get angry for a moment, but, but don't stay mad at God because you'll miss out on the blessing of God. David, for three months, leaves the presence of God, the ark of God, in a foreign land with foreign people. David is getting mad at God for what happened. In reality, David was responsible for Uzzah because David should have said, don't put the ark on the cart. Get the picture here because it's very important when we start looking at our lives and paralleling our lives and going, when something happens, how do I respond? So David says, I can't take it to the city of David. Instead, he took it to Obed-Edom. The Gittite, the ark of the Lord, remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And listen to this. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Can I tell you something? People today have an issue. Religious people have an issue with blessing. And I don't have an issue with blessing. I want to be blessed in the city, in the country, coming in, going out. I want to be the head and the tail, not the tail, above only and not beneath. See, religious people get mad when you start talking about the blessing of God. But God talks about the blessing of God all the time. Choose life, not death. Blessing, not cursing. God said, I want you to be blessed. So David's anger separated him from the anointing and the presence of God for three months. For three months, David is living outside the presence of God. You see, when we get bitter, when we get angry, when, when our response to difficulty, it, it removes God from that difficulty, these are the things that happen. So David finally gets smart. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God or the presence of God. So David went down and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Now, this makes sense to me as to why uh, Ittai decided, I'm staying with David. I am staying with David because David has the ark of God, the presence of God, which is the power of God. And the position that Absalom was trying to possess has no power without God's presence. Your title means nothing without anointing. Your title means nothing. Your position means nothing without the presence of God. And Ittai the Gittite saw what that ark did at Uncle Obed's house, the Gittite, who is a neighbor, a family member or something. And Ittai sees it and goes, I'm not going anywhere now. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I've tasted and seen the power of God. I've stood in the presence of God. I've been under the blessing of God. Nothing is taking me away from that. You see, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The goal of the thief is to gradually erode the hope in your soul and the purpose in your mind and your heart to keep you from walking out the presence of God to get to your place. He will always try to steal from you, and, and others will talk you, talk you out of it as well if you let them. But you have to stay strong in the middle of conflict, in the middle of difficulty. Ittai said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in the presence of God. If there's one thing I can tell you, you've got to stay captivated by the presence of God. And it's so easy. Older Christians that used to be zealous for church and zealous for God, never going to miss. You know, I mean, I remember when I was young in the Lord, I was at church early. I was there all the time. 
Then over time, we get comfortable, we get too familiar with God, and we lose that. We've got to be captivated by God. Every part of our day, and it's not in a weird way, but just saying, just how often do you think about God during the day? The very first thing under the presence of God is the law of attraction. And Ittai was attracted to this presence, to this ark. He, he, he was captivated by it. Usually, we begin with something we see in a vision, either in our spirit or with our, our natural eyes. The law of attraction. I can promise you, most of you husbands right now don't have one clue what your wife's IQ is. Why? You didn't walk into the room and go, I'm looking for the smartest woman in the room. You went in and you said, oh my gosh, I don't even care if she can talk. <laughs> Hope she can't. It's a law of attraction. You're just like, I'm captivated. I'm captivated. I'm captivated. I'm attracted. And I know I'm in trouble for saying that, but I will marry again. Lawns have more fun. <laughs> the law of attraction will be what you pursue. It's, it sets you in motion. You pursue what you're attracted to. You know, if you're attracted even, let's just say something like science. If you're attracted to numbers, if, if, if the, that's the reason we have accountants. I mean, you know, they just, they're attracted to how that whole formula works. And as a result, they're captivated by that process. And, and, and they just, they pursue that. Then there's the law of connection. So Ittai was attracted because of the presence. But then the presence was so strong that when it came time for him to have to choose between Absalom and David, the presence of God was so strong and the law of attraction was so strong that he said, I've got to connect myself to that presence and that power. So when it came time, he said, and David is the king, the anointed king. Absalom's not the real king. Absalom took over David's kingdom. God didn't tell him to, but he did. He took over that kingdom. And, and, and Ittai goes, i got to think about this. He goes, hold it. If the ark goes with David, that means the presence and the power goes with David. And David is the anointed of God. So guess what? I'm going with that. So I'm connecting myself to that. Do you realize the house of God is, is all about the presence of God? That's why we gather. And so on Sundays, if you've had trouble getting into the presence of God, and sometimes we do, we're tired, we're distracted. When you come to church, the whole focus is the presence of God. That's what it's all about. Why? Because that's where the power of God is. That's where all the things begin to happen in our lives. And we hope you take that out of here. And on Monday, say, I'm captivated by the presence of God. So the law of connection. And then there is the law of association. Whatever you associate with and the people that you associate with, you will become like them. If you walk with wise people, you'll become wise. The Bible says a companion of fools comes to ruin. So in our lives, I've got to stay in the presence of God and, and stay attracted to the things of God. You know how to stay attracted to the things of God? Stay in the presence of God, read the word of God, worship the God of all gods and the king of all kings. You will stay attracted to him. Amen. If you keep pursuing him and say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. 
The presence of God will lead you to the process of God. Why? Because we have to have the presence to get through the process. We can't do this without God. So we have to stay in his presence. And the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. That means his presence sets down in the praises of his Why do we worship? We worship because we want the presence of God to rest on our lives. When you get up in the morning and you turn on worship music, you usher in the presence of God. And the presence of God in that moment, in that morning, is going to help you get through the process of that day. That's the reason worship. There's nothing wrong with secular music. There's nothing wrong. You know, I remember when I, when I was a youth pastor, parents used to applaud me for burning the albums. Remember that's back when we had eight tracks and stuff? Uh, some of you are going, what's an eight track? <laughs> it's like Fred Flintstone. It's a huge disc that you put in your dash that you needed two hands and a forklift. You know? And, and so we thought all the music was bad. It wasn't the music that was killing us. It was the, it was the fact is that the void of the presence of God. They don't, you know, music is, is given to us. It's amoral, basically amoral. But the presence, the, the music that gives, exalts God, exalts his presence in us. So when you get up and you're listening to worship music, it doesn't mean you can't listen to anything else. It just means you just need to get the presence of God so as you go through the process of the day, you don't forget God's in charge. This battle's not mine. It belongs to him. So Ittai recognizes in this conflict that the presence of God was going to be imperative to get through the process that was going on between Absalom and David. So if you're going through a tough time, and we do have prayer teams up here that pray for people, but I want to help you. When you're at home and you're going through a difficult time, all, there are times I just turn on worship music and get lost in it. Amen. Because if I can get lost in the worship, I can get lost in the presence, I know the power of God's going to come and fill my life and get me through the process. Right. And that's what we have to do. Because some people say, well, you know, music's just music. It is just music. But there are genres that feed our soul. Some of y'all, you know, you're ministered to by country music. In reverse, you know, dog comes home, wife comes back, get your car home, back. But you have to play it backwards. But we have to realize that there is a process. And without the process... You and I will not be fit for the position. It's called character building. It's called preparation. It's called sacrifice. It's called doing some things that we really don't want to do. I didn't enjoy all the hours and years I put into getting two degrees. Now, I did enjoy the knowledge and I did enjoy some of it, but the process was laborious as I thought, will I ever get to do what I want to do? Will I ever get to do what I love to do? And some of you are in the middle of asking that question. You're ready to quit your job because somebody promised you a quicker promotion. Are you prepared for the promotion? Are you prepared for what God has prepared for you? See, Absalom was not prepared to be king because it wasn't his time yet. He wasn't willing to go through the process, so he just decides to take it upon himself to take the kingdom from his father, influencing everyone and convincing everybody he would be a better king than David. Well, you know, you could look at David's life and say, maybe it is. David was an adulterer or murderer. Maybe Absalom would have been a better king. No, God appointed and anointed David. He did not anoint and appoint Absalom. Argue with God. When God anoints and God appoints, you can't argue with God. In your own life, in other people's lives, we have to look at this and go, hold it. David's failure was a part of David's process. 
think God didn't know what was going to happen to David before he made him king? That would be most people's uh, idea that, that, well, you know, surely God didn't know. God absolutely knew. The question was, after David failed, would David go through the process to, to do what God wanted him to do? Some of you have put yourself on the shelf. God didn't. You said, get back up and get back in the process. Stay in the presence and you'll get through the process. Because the goal and the pursuit is not the position. It's to acquire the promise. God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always. Ittai said, I will not alter the process by doing what is easiest. And what would have been easiest and would be not to get shot at or have an arrow shot at you or a spear by going with Absalom because it looked like everybody was in Absalom's corner. But God wasn't. Absalom ends up losing his life because he chose to get in a hurry. In Galatians 4, 4, it says, In the fullness of time, God sent his only son. There is a time for everything, and the author of Ecclesiastes lets us know that. For everything under heaven, there's a time and there's a season. And sometimes we get in a hurry. And what I would say to you is this. How, if you say, how do I not get in a hurry? If you'll stay in the presence of God, you'll stay in the flow of God. If you'll stay in the presence of God, you'll stay in the timing of God. We often ask God why. I had a friend who had a church for many years. I preached for him in Austin, Texas. And, and I, it was a little bitty church for many years. And matter of fact, what he did was it stayed little, stayed little. So he, he decided to change the name of his church and named it like two different names from two different successful churches with a subtitle from Brother Osteen. He thought, if I could just have these, and it didn't work. He finally stayed in the presence of God and said, we just got to be us. And he just waited. Now he has a church of about 8,000. See, it's never too late. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. But he tried things in the natural. And finally he said, the presence of God is what's going to change everything. And the presence of God in your life is going to change everything. And the last thing is position. Ittai stayed with David. Ittai didn't wander off. He didn't go home. He didn't quit. He'd been with David one day in the middle of this major conflict. Instead of running to Absalom, which David told him he could do, and David knew it would be safer there, he said, go, go to him or just leave. He said, no, I'm following you. If you die, I die. If you live, I live. He said, I know about the power and the presence of God. And because he did that, listen to what, what happens here. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5, it says, the king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. These were his three generals. And guess what? <clears throat> the only general that was a foreigner was Ittai. You see, we can't blame it on our nationality. We can't blame it on where we're from. If we'll stay faithful to God, we'll stay in the presence of God, God will put us in the place of God. If we'll stay faithful, if we'll stay honoring, if we'll... We'll walk in his presence and we'll go through the process. And it says, Be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. And all the troops heard the king giving orders concerning Absalom to each of his commanders. What happens? What happens if Ittai flees? 600 Gittites follow him and they miss this opportunity. We have to make decisions sometimes that are very hard. 
You know, years ago, I knew my life was not my own. I've been bought with a price. And that my footsteps are ordered by God. And I'll do whatever God says do. No matter what it costs, no matter what anyone says, I'm going to do what God says do. Because like Ittai, I've realized I've lived outside the presence of God. And let me tell you, outside the presence of God is a void of the power of God. Inside the presence, there's more than enough power. And that once you have that power, the power is not for the sake of hurting other people. The power is for the sake of getting through the process. God will get you through the process. It said he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. And God will position you in the place of his promise. As Israel took 40 years, a journey that should have taken two and a half weeks. How long do you want to be in the process? You can limit the process by staying faithful to the presence. Stay in it. Don't get bitter. Don't get mad. Don't quit. Don't alter it. Don't listen to the voices outside say this would be easier because it's not about easy. It's about obedience. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence. You said in your presence is fullness of joy. And Lord, I, I want... I want us all to be joyful because that's where our strength is. So, Lord, I pray for those that are trying to get through the process without the presence. Many people in this world are just in the process, bitter, angry, get up every day. It's the weekly grind, going to work, coming home, all the things that come with that. A life without your presence is like a car without oil in the engine. It just seizes up. It doesn't work right. So God, I pray for those living outside your presence who are now going through the process. It's just tough to make it. Maybe you're here today and you're watching online without the presence of God in your life, which comes through salvation, saying yes to Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins and saying, God, please forgive me. I just want to live in your presence. I just want to be used by you. I want to live out my purpose and my destiny. The right information often causes people to make right decisions. The wrong information often causes people to make the wrong decisions. If you've heard for years that getting to heaven is hard, that you've got to live a certain way and you've got to do do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs and you know what, unless you can do that, you're not going to heaven. That's just not true. That's wrong information. And that's what I heard my whole life. As a result, I didn't give my life to Jesus. I thought there's no way I could make it even if I gave my life to him. Because I'm not going to perform well enough. I know that. I'm, I'm just not that guy. But one day I heard these words. All who call on his name shall be saved. When I heard those words, I thought I can do that. That his grace is sufficient. That mercy triumphs over judgment. When I started hearing those scriptures, I realized God is a good God. He's not a mean God. He wanted me to be saved. He wanted me to come to him. He wanted me to call on his name. Maybe you've not done that. And now that you have right information or good information, maybe today you would want to do that. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, I want to call on the name of the Lord today. I want to live in the presence of God the rest of my life. And I know if I live in his presence, I'll know his power. If that's you today and you have not done that, I want to ask you to slip your hand up put it right back down. Just say, pray for me. Thank you. Are there others? Say, pray for me. 
I need the Lord in my life. God bless. Those of you watching online, if that's you, lift your hand right there where you're at. And we're going to pray with you right now. All of you pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, I repent of my sin. I call on your name. And I believe today that I am forgiven by the work of Jesus Christ. And because of his work, not by mine or because of mine. So today, Lord, I declare I am a follower of yours. Amen.